In this week's episode, we've got eBay glitches galore, a pretty cool what sold recap, and a business that's back to normal. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the greater Cincinnati area, and this channel is all about the flip life. In this episode, I will share with you some reselling news, including a real long list. Well, it's not that long, <laughs> uh, but there are several items of glitches. That occurred on eBay last week, along with some other news. We'll recap my week's business and we'll look at 11 items, specific items that I sold out of my eBay store last week. So, if that's the kind of content that you like, stick around and let's get into it. News updates. We're going to kick it off with some reselling news. I don't, I did not actually get this message, but there is an article on e-commerce bytes from the weekend that eBay and Etsy sent urgent pleas to sellers last Saturday. Uh, let me know in the comments down below if you're watching on YouTube, if you got this information from either of these platforms, if you're listening to the podcast, you can, of course, reach out to me by email at galaxycds at gmail.com or, shameless plug, you can follow me and DM me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs rocks. But this letter goes back to something that we've talked about several episodes ago, some new legislation that is currently before Congress. And the the email essentially from eBay said, tell your senators not to harm local small businesses. Uh, under this new bill, which is, I can't remember, I think it's called the Inform Act. Uh, and we talked about this several weeks ago. Online sellers would, if this bill passes, have to provide online marketplaces with extensive personal information, including tax ID numbers and government-issued identification cards, in order to be verified to sell on an online marketplace. We kind of already do some of that, because if you're on eBay's managed payments, you've already had to provide them with a tax ID number, but the ID is um, kind of a bridge too far, but... We'll see that you will have to certify annually at the risk of account suspension that your information has not changed. And lastly, publicly display your full name and contact information, including address, email, and phone number on each product listed for sale. Obviously, with the eBay bulk update tool, you could go in and do that fairly easily. But a lot of folks don't like to have that information on on eBay or on any of these platforms. That's they're a private business. They don't want that stuff out there. A lot of folks have a PO box just for that reason. I don't know if that would be acceptable or not. So there's a lot of controversy about this bill. The the government again meddling in something that probably doesn't need meddled in. We got bigger fish to fry <laughs> uh, in this country than whether or not I supply my photo ID to eBay in order to sell there, but that's how they work up there in Washington. So uh, I will link to this article, as I always do, in the show notes and the video description below if you want to go check this out. Again, let me know, did you receive an email or a message from either Etsy or eBay over the weekend regarding this issue? 
again, I did not. So I don't know what the what the threshold was, what the criteria was, who got who got and who did not got <laughs> uh, those letters. But uh, I, I was not privileged enough to get one. Moving on, Poshmark has announced a new program, Poshmark Mini, which will bring a snippet of its shopping experience to Ch- Snapchat. Uh, the article, which is on Forbes, Poshmark is thinking small. The social commerce resale giant has teamed up with Snapchat to create a mini shopping experience on Snapchat's app, becoming the first pre-loved retailer to sell on that platform. Poshmark in 2018 did become one of the first retailers to partner with Snapchat, originally through SnapKit, which enabled Poshmark users to share and sell their listings. Poshmark is now building on that integration by bringing the first thrift shopping experience directly to the Snapchat app through Mini. Uh, Quote, we've been working with Snapchat for a while now and have a deeper relationship around how the two platforms integrate together, said Stephen Tristan Young, chief marketing officer of Poshmark. Snapchat has a similar target audience in the past. We have worked with their SnapKit to make sure we could sell by listening through them. This will allow us to integrate a little bit of the Poshmark experience. Snapchat has so many different facets, including camera and messaging. Snap has branched into more content. What they're trying to do is keep you in the platform. It's not just about the cameras. It's about engagement. How do they keep users in the platform? Poshmark Mini will empower Poshmark and Snapchat's socially driven communities to seamlessly connect with each other, explore curated products, and experience the thrill of Poshmark Treasure Hunt without having to leave the Snapchat app. Uh, They go on to talk about community being the heart of everything they do. Both of those platforms are really big on community and on engagement and on the social sharing. It's one of the reasons I'm not that active on Poshmark because I hate that crap. (laughs) Uh, I'm not trying to share. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I might post maybe once or twice a day max. Uh, So I'm not super, super active on social media. So this kind of thing just would absolutely not work for me. But if that's the thing you're into, this looks like a a potentially a really good marriage. Uh, Snapchat users in the U.S. will be able to use the Poshmark Mini in three ways, including shopping virtual Posh parties, the platform's signature real-time shopping events. Uh, You'll be able to shop the entire Poshmark catalog, which has 4.5 million active sellers, 9,000 brands, and more than 200 million products. The article says that Snapchat Snapchat reaches 90% of 13 to 24-year-olds. So this will introduce a huge audience to Poshmark that may not be familiar with them. So this is a big win if you are a Poshmark seller. Um, let me know again in the comments. Do you intend to take advantage of this? Are you on Snapchat? Will you join Snapchat just to participate in this? It looks like a fantastic opportunity. I, for what it's worth, I happen to agree with them. I think their audiences are probably fairly well aligned. So this has the potential to be a pretty big boost, potentially for both platforms. Another article about Poshmark would seem to indicate that they could probably use the help. (laughs) Uh, Poshmark is experiencing a relentless decline in active buyer growth. Now, this is one of those things, and I've talked about this in the past. You can't continue to grow at the same rate forever. Eventually, you just run out of you run out of steam, you run out of headroom, you run out of people. <laughs> uh, so you can only grow 
at a certain rate for a certain amount of time, and then it's just naturally going to begin to, to diminish. Poshmark is still experiencing user growth. What is slowing is the rate of that growth. Poshmark now has experienced eight consecutive quarters with lower active buyer growth. Again, their buyer growth is still increasing, but it is not increasing at the same rate. Um, It's been dropping now for essentially two full years. This article was written by someone who is kind of anti-Poshmark to begin with as an investor, so it may be skewed a little bit in terms of what his opinion of it is, but it's interesting to note that as Poshmark's stock continues to suffer through some growing pains, that the the growth that they have projected and the growth that their user base is experiencing are both somewhat sluggish. Moving on, an interesting article. Um, this is from the UK. Stolen artifacts returned following an attempted eBay sale. Two rare objects were part of separate art thefts. Thefts. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, not not thrifts. Thefts from the Ealing Council. Uh, Ealing Council in London had had two items stolen from its collection returned to them thanks to the help of members of the public an antique dealer, and some art recovery specialists. Both items, a Wally Bird tobacco jar and the Barrister Jug, were part of the council's Martinware Pottery Collection, which was created by the Martin Brothers in their Southall Pottery Studio between 1873 and 1923. So this is some old stuff. There were a total of, sounds like about 30 items, uh, maybe 40 actually, that were stolen in two separate incidents. And... No one's ever been apprehended. No one's ever been caught. Now, a couple of these items have popped up on eBay. Um, In the fall of 2020, a local man contacted um, Jonathan Oates, who is the council's archivist, to tell him that his son had spotted this Wally bird on sale on eBay for (laughs) £30,000. Despite contacting the police, the council was unable to recover the item, and it was later removed from the site. However... An antique dealer was contacted by the same eBay seller, offering her the opportunity to buy the jar for 15,000 pounds. If you knew the popo was on to you the first time, I don't know why you would reach out to someone to try to sell it a second time. Uh, I think I would lay low for a while. This person did not. And the uh, Art Recovery International firm tracked down the seller and recovered the item a few months later. They also managed to track down this barrister's jug, and they have now been able to return that as well. So uh, there is actually a YouTube video chronicling the story behind the recovery of the Wally Bird. There is a link to it in the article, so you may want to go check that out. That's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, Moving on to eBay, I mentioned in the intro that it was... Uh, glitches galore last week on eBay. Now, as I, I seem like I say this every week, <laughs> uh, I love eBay. I am a huge, it's my platform of choice. It's where people like me who are primarily estate and garage sale, garage sale sellers have the best opportunity to be able to move our merchandise. So when I talk about these things, it's out of not necessarily just wanting to dog on eBay. It is from a place of love. I want eBay to be better. (laughs) Uh, I want them to be able to do things right and make the 
the process pleasant and seamless for both buyers and sellers. They seem to be way more focused on one half of that equation than the other, and that is, of course, their buyers. They're very, very customer-focused, and I think they tend to forget sometimes that their sellers are actually customers as well because we're the ones that essentially are paying all the fees. So when these glitches come up, it's problematic. It makes it difficult for sellers to want to continue to participate and support the platform we don't have a ton of choices. It's, it is still the place to go. It is probably still the place that I will continue to go, even though they have some of these issues. But last week was not a great week for eBay. In the broad sense, all of these glitches appeared to be inconsistent, random. They were not happening to everyone. And by and large, they seem to have been resolved without much fanfare There's been nothing that I can find in the eBay news. It's nothing showing up on the seller hub about any of these particular issues, but there were a handful of things. You can let me know down in the comments below if you experienced some or all or none of these things. First up, when the item specifics change took place two weeks ago, there seemed as though there were some sellers, myself included, who when we tried to list certain items, particularly books, on the mobile app, we got a warning that said this item cannot be, what, what, what was the actual wording? Uh, cannot be listed on the mobile app. Please go to the web version, something like that. I have not personally had that in about the last 10 days. So that seems to have been fixed. It seemed like it was especially prevalent if you were trying to sell similar from a sold listing. If you were trying to do it from an existing listing or just creating a new listing, it didn't seem like it was happening all that often. But every time I tried to create a uh, sell similar from someone else's sold listing, I was getting that error. Again, share with us in comments what kind of experience you were having. If you are still having that problem, again, I have not in the last several days. So that seems to have cleared itself up. Another problem that was reported, again, on e-commerce bytes was eBay was automatically canceling certain items. Uh, eBay acknowledged there was a glitch that resulted in sales being automatically canceled for non-payment, but this was happening essentially immediately. An offer would be sent out and accepted and bam, the thing would be canceled for non-payment within seconds. (laughs) Uh, So nobody even had an opportunity to pay for an item. So this was a real problem. Again, hit or miss, not everyone was experiencing it. It seemed to be fixed. Within the matter of a day or two, very quietly, there was not a lot of hullabaloo about this. And no sooner was this fixed than a new problem popped up. Again, intermittent, inconsistent, random, and not all sellers experiencing it. They couldn't list anything. You tried to list and you would just get a message that said uh, there would be no message. It just wouldn't advance. You'd click list and it would just sit there. Nothing would happen. You couldn't list any products. I have, again, not personally experienced this particular problem. Let us know down in the comments if this is something that you experienced or are continuing to experience as of this writing or writing recording. I have not seen anything one way or the other on whether this has been resolved, um, but that seems to have been a problem for some people as well. There was no indication of either of these on the eBay system status page. So, again, These are fairly low-key. The last 
situation that was brought to me by a viewer and listener was that we could not, in some cases, select media mail as a shipping option when trying to print labels. I had not experienced this. I received the message. We went back and forth a little bit. And that evening, I had two items that I could not select media mail for shipping. I reached out to eBay for business. This was at, I don't know, 8 o'clock on Friday night. And fairly early Saturday morning, I received a message back from eBay for business that it was a known system issue that they were working on and hoped to have had resolved in fairly short order. Again, there was nothing anywhere that I could find on any of the system status pages indicating that it was a problem. I have not since that initial two listings had any problems with it. So let us know in the comments below if you are continuing to have this problem or if it seems to have resolved itself. So not the best week for eBay. Lots of just little nagging issues and not necessarily big ones and not necessarily ones that affected all users globally. So those can be obviously more difficult to track down. Anything that's intermittent or not consistent across the entire platform can be a little bit difficult for a platform to figure out what's going on. Why is it affecting seller A and not seller B? And even within seller A, why is it only affecting these items in a particular category, but not these other ones over here? So it's a legacy platform. It's on older technology. They're trying to do upgrades. I get all of that, uh, but it was a it was a pretty rough week over on eBay. I don't know if it affected anybody's sales. My sales we'll get into here in a little bit. We're pretty much back to normal for last week, so I don't have any complaints that way, but there were a few frustrations as I went through the week trying to get some stuff done. With that, we are going to take a quick break over on the podcast so I can sneak in a sponsor message and we'll be right back with some what sold on eBay action and a weekly business update. Stay tuned. We all know that one of the quickest ways to increase sales is to get your items seen on more platforms. But if you're like me and you have hundreds or even thousands of existing listings, the thought of transferring all of that information manually is pretty overwhelming. That's where a program like List Perfectly can come in really, really handy. I've been using it to transfer literally hundreds of items a day from my eBay listings over to Mercari, and it has been fantastic. I've seen an increase in sales, and I couldn't have done it without them. In fact, I'm so happy with how the program is working for me that I've become an affiliate for them. If you'd like to check out what it's all about, there's an affiliate link in the show notes and the description below. Be sure to click on it, and if you decide to sign up, enter promo code 634 to save 30% off your first month. I can't recommend it highly enough. That's list perfectly. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. All right, let's take a look at some items I sold last week. I've got, I think, 11 items this week. I go through this exercise, as most sellers do, 
hoping to be able to show you examples of a few things that have sold that you might want to be on the lookout for. Again, as I talk about all the time, not necessarily specific items, but maybe categories of items or types of items, series of items, as this first one will be. So just to give you a few more tools in the toolbox when you're out at estate sales or garage sales or whatever your sourcing uh, option of choice is, this first item this week is a book. (laughs) Uh, Napoleon and the Battle of Waterloo. This is a world landmark book. These were 1950s era books written for, looks like young readers, maybe middle school, early high school, uh, landmark books. It was a random house production. There appear to be a ton of them. There's landmark world books. There are at least two other series. I picked up a box of these, about 20 of them at a garage sale, all from the 1950s era, all but a couple of them still including their dust jacket. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see in the photo, the dust jacket is not in pristine condition, but again, for a book that's coming up on 60, 65 years old and was a kid's book, they were in pretty good shape. I picked them up again, 20 of them for about 50 cents a piece. I've already sold several of them from anywhere from 14 to like this one, $19.99 with free shipping. So this one all in essentially paid for all 20 of them. So anything else I sell from here on out is pure gravy. So be on the lookout for those, especially if you can get them for that kind of price, landmark books. The cheapest one I listed, I think was 10 bucks. So from 50 cents to 10 bucks, even with free shipping, by the time you do the fees and everything, you're still going to make about five bucks on it. Uh, From 50 cents, 10x your money. I think that's a pretty good investment. First CD of the week, Duh, The Unholy Handjob from 1995. This was on uh, an old punk label, Alternative Tentacles. Again, not all of a particular label or particular band stuff is going to be worth a ton of money. But if you're out and about and you see some CDs that you've never heard of, sometimes they're worth scanning or at least looking up. This one was new and sealed. It was part of a big lot that I own for about three and a half cents a piece. This went for $24.99 with free shipping. Next up, a book. I picked up a big lot of these at an estate sale. This sale was absolutely nuts. There were people everywhere. And I kind of stood back from these two big bookshelves and I watched several sellers look at this series of books and then keep moving. And they looked and they keep moving. And the next guy would look and keep, and probably half a dozen of them looked at this series and None of them bought them. Time Life Wings of War series. This was a a bunch of reissues that Time Life did of classic kind of World War I and World War II era books. They're in nice embossed blue covers. Really nice set. I have no idea why people were passing on them because every one of them I looked up was at least $12 to $15. This one, uh, Fighter Over Finland. Went for $24.99 with free shipping. I got these all for a buck a piece at this estate sale. Again, no idea why. I'm glad they did. (laughs) I picked up 16 or 17 of these books. This first sale, again, like with the previous book, essentially paid for the entire lot. I have also sold a couple other ones of this for a little bit less money than this, but another profitable pickup. So not, again, not all of the time life stuff is big money. The the World War II series, for instance, they're literally everywhere. Almost seems like 
every week I go to a garage sale where someone has that set of books and I've got them in my antique booth for $1.99 a piece <laughs> and I cannot get rid of them. Uh, but these, these were a little different. They're not as common. They're not as easily found. So again, like I mentioned with the CD, older stuff, more unusual stuff, the things you've not heard of or seen before, those are the ones that are probably worth taking the time to check out. In this case, I picked up a bunch of them for a buck a piece and I'm already in the money. This next one, I may butcher the pronunciation. Uh, ha Yasad, Fundamentals of Hebrew in English and Hebrew. This was published by Rutgers University in 1972. It is essentially a language training manual for Hebrew that is available in both, as I said, Hebrew and English. This was part of a big lot, and I own it for a quarter. It sold on a best offer of $25.49 with free shipping. So I've had reasonably good luck with especially old vintage university language translation stuff. If you've been watching for a while, you've seen me. I've sold a few Russian to English kind of Soviet era translation books. So that old 60s, 70s era stuff is worth taking a look at. A set of Blu-rays. I picked this up at a garage sale just a couple of weeks ago for $3. The John Wayne Film Collection, 1930 to 1969. It contains seven films. Uh, this still had its slip cover, so the little cardboard case that slides over the actual Blu-ray case. Pretty nice looking set. $3 turned into $27.99 with free shipping, so that's, a, that's definitely a win. Again, as I talk about on this channel repeatedly, I don't make my money necessarily selling really high ticket items. I'm relying on a lot of volume of kind of more modestly priced stuff to get to the same place. Again, this is an instance where a fairly modest investment of just $3 essentially made not quite 10x in gross. Another CD, this was also from the big lot that I bought, uh, Jungle Jam Cheetah Bonita Goes Solo. I have no idea <laughs> uh, what this thing is. I looked it up. It's from 1992. It was selling. The comps were around 30 bucks. I tried it for a week at auction. Nobody bought it. So I started the auction, I think, at $14.99. It had a couple people that looked at it. Nobody bid. So I went ahead and jacked the thing up to $29.99 plus shipping within two days. Boom. Sold. So there you go. You just never know. Uh, kids CDs I typically don't mess with. If I had seen this out in the wild, just because the cover, if you're, again, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it's a really kind of unusual art on the cover. I probably would have scanned it uh, or looked it up just to see what it was worth. But because it was in a big lot, I figured you definitely got to check it. And uh, it was a good one, 30 bucks. Another old book. This is another one out of a big lot that I own for a quarter. The Constitutional Antiquities of Sparta and Athens from 1895. This was written by Gustav Gilbert. It was a hardcover. Again, you can see in the photo, if you're watching on YouTube, it is not in the best of shape. This probably would have been worth maybe 60 bucks or so if it was in better shape as it was. There weren't a ton of them out there, so it was still fairly valuable. It brought $33.99 with free shipping. Um, I've talked about previously Books do not necessarily have to be in perfect condition, especially older ones, 1800s era, early 1900s era, anything over 100 years old. If it's got some wear on it, as long as the pages are still 
all there and in reasonably good shape, you can still sell them. And in this case, a, essentially a 25 cent book turned into $34. Here's another one from this was published in 1944 by the League of Nations International Currency Experience, a real page turner. This actually sold on Mercari. Also out of a estate sale, I own this for $1, sold for $39 with free shipping. So again, a huge return on investment, even when you throw in the media mail shipping and all that. Really nice flip. Old economics texts do reasonably well. Newer contemporary runs, not so much, but the old classic stuff like this, if you don't mind them being a little bit long tail, I've had this for nearly a year, but a a dollar that turned into 40, I will wait a year for. (laughs) Uh, Another book, I've shown some of these previously from The Dreadnought to Scapa Flow. This is volume four. Uh, These were World War I era Navy histories. I think there were maybe six or eight of these in the set. It was a set that I did not get a complete set of when I bought a big lot. So I was selling them off individually. I own this also for a quarter. This went for $54.99 with free shipping. This is one I would tell you to be on the lookout for if you're in an estate sale or a garage sale or a, a used bookstore and you can find any of these from the Dreadnought to Scapa Flow, whatever volume it is. I think the lowest price I got for, for any of these was about $35. They're worth really good money. So if you can get them for even five bucks, they're probably worth picking up uh, $54.99 with free shipping. If you're following me on Instagram, you saw me post this uh, about 10 days ago. I was at a yard sale fairly early. It was one of the first things I picked up. A genuine HP ink, the CE505D05A for a laser printer. This was a sealed new in box two pack of toner for a laser printer. I picked this up for two whole dollars. It sold for $79.99 plus customer paid shipping. Sales on this were kind of all over the place. 80 bucks looked to be about the number. There were a few that had sold for quite a bit more and there were several that had sold for quite a bit less. I I probably could have held out for a little more money, but I wanted to do a quick flip. I only had two bucks in it. So I listed mine kind of at the low end of what was currently listed. And it literally sold within probably six hours uh, at full price, $79.99 plus shipping from a $2 initial investment. And now your flip of the week. This is probably something you're not likely to find (laughs) too often at estate sales. You'll find a lot of cheap versions of these kind of things, but to find a a nice set of these is pretty unusual. This is uh, from a, a sim racing rig. This is a Fnatic CSR Elite set of pedals. They work with a PC, with Xbox, with PlayStation. I don't know if they work with the current generation. I assume that they do since this was compatible with PC and it's compatible with a whole range of Fnatic wheels. Fnatic is a German-based sim racing manufacturer. They make tons of really, really high-end equipment. I found this at an estate sale for $15. It sold for at an auction for $187.50 plus 
customer paid shipping. So really, really nice flip. Again, I don't know that it's something you're likely to find at a sale. Most of the people who are into sim racing, they're going to sell it within one of their groups of sim racers. If they upgrade their equipment, they probably know somebody who's looking for one of these. But if you happen to see any Fanatic or the Logitech, like the G29, the G27 wheels out there, or the pedals for those, those can command pretty decent money. This thing, obviously, it got 18 bids. I think it had nearly 30 people watching it at one point. I started it at $99.99. It quickly got bids and went up to about $139. Then, of course, it, it stayed pretty static until right up near the bitter end when it jumped. My phone was just pinging like crazy as people were bidding on this, and it closed at $187.50 plus shipping. Shipped at UPS ground. The customers already got it, already got feedback. It's golden. I'm always hesitant. I've talked about this before. <laughs> uh, with big, fairly expensive electronic items, it worked for me. Is it going to work for them? This guy was thrilled. He loves it. He's very happy with it. So it's all good. So that's your flip of the week. And last for this week, your weekly business recap. Man, last week was just weirdness <laughs> for me. So Monday, I for those of you who've been playing along at home, I do the dealer trade drives. Monday, I drove to Toledo, Ohio for a dealer trade. Tuesday, I drove to Indianapolis for a dealer trade. So those two days were more or less lost to me for doing any listing or any other kind of work. Uh, Tuesday wasn't too bad. I was home mid-afternoon. Wednesday, I had to move my antique booth one aisle over. So if, if you're local to the Cincinnati area and you're watching this at the Westchester Antique Center, I have moved from booth 504 to booth 604. Uh, they are getting ready to do some construction. The, the Antique Center is not anywhere near full, so they are going to take about a third of the space and supposedly do some construction and convert it into something else some kind of restaurant or something where they hope to draw some additional traffic that then may also venture on over into the antique center. So we'll see how that goes. But those of us who were at the one end of the building all had to move all of our stuff. If you've seen pictures of my booth, I had six bookshelves literally jam-packed full of books. I had two big racks of DVDs. I had records. I had probably upwards of six, 700 CDs over there, all of which needed to be moved. So Wednesday was a busy day for me moving stuff over at the Antique Center. And then Thursday and Friday, I spent pretty much all day, both of those days, sourcing. Um, I was actually out for a, almost 10 hours on Thursday. And Friday was probably close to seven or eight. If you're watching on YouTube, you may be able to see over my shoulder piles of stuff that I'm still working on listing. Uh, again, if you follow me on Instagram, I posted a picture there of a, a pretty big haul Sunday, this past Sunday. Again, it pays to talk to the estate sale people. I was at one sale where they had just boxes and boxes of records that all appeared to be in reasonably good shape. They were not necessarily the most desirable titles, but there was some stuff in there. They were asking a dollar a record that's probably not a bad place to start, but I didn't want to fool with it at the time. I left them my card and I said, when the sale is over, if you still got these records, I would give you 10 cents a piece for them and I'll just come and haul them all away. 
And lo and behold, I got a call late on Saturday uh, that they had finished the sale and they had most of those records left. They also had some records from a previous sale that they would also throw in. I picked up, uh, ended up being 481 records, a handful of CDs and a handful of DVDs, 481 total pieces for 50 bucks. So about 10 and a half cents a piece. I've already found a handful of records in there that are probably going to be worth anywhere from $20 to $40. And I've added a bunch of stuff that's going to be two and three bucks over at my antique booth, but huge score. So it was a really busy week. All of that to say, I didn't get very many listings done (laughs) Uh, last week. I only managed to do, this is almost embarrassing to say, 30 listings for the entire week last week. Uh, I... As I record this, I've done that many today. So next week's number will look a little better, but last week, pretty bad. 30 new listings, which took my total on eBay to 6,477, which was a net decrease of 46 listings from the week before. I did 76 sales last week on the various platforms. Over on Mercari, I did list 34 items. Uh, The 30 that I listed on eBay plus four ended auctions that I also transferred over there that took my total to 25.93 which was a net loss of 11 listings over on Mercari sales for the week obviously with what you just saw in the what sold portion were pretty decent kind of back to normal 13.88 and 78 cents again spread over a few places primarily though this week it was it was eBay bonanza $4.49. I sold one cheap CD <laughs> uh, over on Bonanza, but it's four fifty. dollars I didn't have before. Uh, the Antique Booth did $20.87. Mercari for $103. And eBay for $12.60.42. Cost of goods sold for the week was $52.22, leaving me with a gross profit of 96.24% or $13.36.56. Operating expenses last week were eBay and Mercari fees and shipping totaling 535.53 which left me with a net profit of 57.68% which is really really good $801.03. So really kind of back to normal a little ahead of goals so that actually helps to make up for the last couple of weeks which have not been that great. Also with the dealer trade drives I've made enough money to kind of offset that so Life's pretty good. Um, Going into next week, I still have, as I mentioned, a ton of stuff to list. Still continuing to do very, very well using List Perfectly. Shameless plug, there is an affiliate link down in the show notes and the video description below. If you are considering using it, I'd appreciate if you would use that link. We've already signed up a couple of people, so I appreciate that very much. It has been incredibly helpful It is helping my sales. I did some listing earlier today before recording this, cross-listed them before lunch using List Perfectly over on Macari. And while I was eating lunch, one of those items sold. So it's if that's something that you're considering, again, I've said it before, I can't recommend that product highly enough. uh, And I've barely scratched the surface of what it can do, but it is a a phenomenal tool if you want to be able to quickly and easily get your listings to more than just one platform. With that, that's going to put a wrap on it for this week. I hope you're having a great, great week, staying healthy, hitting the sales. If you're here in the kind of north 
Midwest and East. I hope the cicada apocalypse is not uh, not too bad for you. I hear them a lot more than I see them. They are making all kinds of racket outside right now, but I'm still only seeing a relative handful. My understanding is they're going to be around until late June or early July, so I'm sure it's only going to get worse, which will make garage sales kind of interesting. But nonetheless, have a great week. Let me know down in the comments below how things are going for you. Chime in on any of the things we talked about previously in the reselling news. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.